0: Soccer Central. Hello, hello, hello! Thank you for pressing play on the latest edition of the Michigan Soccer Central podcast, your weekly dip into the world's game being played right here in the Great Lake State. My name is Robert Kerr, your host of the program. As always, always like to uh, kind of shine a light. On all the different corners of Michigan soccer, from uh, men's to women's, uh, professional to amateur. Professionally, uh, the the calendar is turning, and the pros, Detroit City FC, will be kicking off on the road this weekend. So um, another uh, league kicks into gear. Uh, very exciting! Can't wait to uh, see what year two in the USL Championship. Uh, has for Detroit city FC, probably the biggest news of the week, 15 year old Chloe Ricketts from Ann Arbor, becoming the youngest player to sign a contract in the NWSL. So big congrats to Jaguars and uh, Chloe Ricketts. Uh, I mean, what an amazing achievement. Can't wait to see what the future brings and what, uh, uh, the professional contract um, what she does in that That's super exciting uh, to see what happens next for her and a number of uh, Michigan players are getting signed by gold star FC uh, the new expansion team in NISA and then some OCFC players included uh, Alex DeLuke going to the aforementioned gold star and then Alex Steinwasher just recently um getting signed by Union Omaha. So super cool uh for those guys to get uh a look at the uh the, the professional level. So that couldn't be uh that's that's pretty cool for those guys. Very very cool to see that there's opportunities for Michigan players to go to the next uh level and keep on going because that opportunity wasn't really around and uh, it's just really becoming more of a reality. Um, Speaking of Oakland County FC, the uh, kit voting is uh, uh, voting on the new kits for Oakland County FC is underway. I think that's going to end pretty soon here this week. So if you haven't done it, listen to last week's episode with me, Andreas Geekas. We talk about uh, voting for a kit designed by fellow supporter There's three options for home and away. Uh, My favorite thing of being a fan of the local team, Oakland County FC. Um, But uh, the big uh, topic of this week's episode was the third annual uh, general meeting for the Midwest Premier League. I made the trip down to Chicago where uh, 37 teams from uh, seven different states, I believe, uh, all... Convened, or most of them convened, and it was a, a much fuller room than last year. And the club that's uh, been started and is run by club members um, is going into its third year. And it's really good news for Michigan clubs is there's a Great Lakes Conference in the Midwest Premier League, and 17 out of the 18 teams are based right here in the Great Lakes State. So there's an added Density And there's a lot of these teams that are playing the mission all under uh, one league playing each other. It's been the case a lot of the time in amateur soccer that the team doesn't play the one across the, the city from them. They have to travel six hours away. Uh, but uh, that is changing, changing the tide. And one of the big themes of, uh, of the weekend was listening to voices of amateur teams who want to play more regional opponents costs low and uh, with a little bit of forward thinking. So the meeting contained a lot of proposals for uh, looks to the future. So to dig into that, we've got uh, board members Ben Rohde and Steve Beckman on the program to talk about uh, the league meetings and kind of the outlook for the Midwest Premier League in general. And then we are going to pop on Uh, An interview I did on location with uh, Troy United, Steve Geip, and Troy United were one of the many new expansion teams coming into the Midwest Premier League. So enjoy two Midwest Premier League-themed interviews here next on the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. All right, welcome back here on the Michigan Soccer Central podcast had the honor of attending the third annual Midwest Premier League annual general meeting. The club-led summer uh, amateur club league has had some uh, real magnetic uh, energy to it as the Great Lakes Conference has grown to 18 teams, 17 of which from the Great Lakes State. So very exciting for soccer heads here in Michigan. And to kind of uh, go a little deeper and bring some of the information that was said at the meeting, I've got two of the board members uh, from Lansing uh, Common. I've got Steve Beckman. Welcome to the program, Steve. Thank you for your time.
1: Hey, Robert. Thanks for having me.
0: And Bren Rohde, marketing director on the board and representing Livonia City. Thank you for joining me, Ben. Hey, Rob. Thanks. Third meeting, uh, much fuller banquet room than last year. That's for sure. How did you guys feel coming out of there? And uh, what was your favorite things that you uh, took from it?
1: Yeah, having... 37 teams from 7 different states. It is very much a full room at this point. And the best part is just getting everybody together to share their ideas all at once instead of on Zoom calls. So it's a lot easier to have those types of conversations about the direction of our league, how we want ourselves, how we want to present ourselves as a semi-professional league as as well as setting the standards that we hope that every club can adhere to. So being able to bring those clubs together and having a, a league that's getting more and more robust makes us makes us happy that we can support those community leagues and clubs around our region and that we can keep those clubs alive for as long as possible because sustainability is our number
0: one priority. So, Ben, um, I guess after uh, the second year of the league last year, um, what do you think it was that drew those uh, additional expansion clubs to uh, join up the league and the, 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 the club led movement?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, you know, it, with the fact that it being a uh, club driven league, I think there's definitely appeal to that kind of a, um, a league where everyone has a say in what's going on and, and not necessarily listening to kind of just someone who owns the league and uh, you know, lives off in a far different state. But um, no, I think it's a lot to do with kind of what our marketing is and kind of even the personalities uh, a lot of our clubs have, um, you know, on social media. Uh, I think it's definitely a, a fun, you know, kind of approach. I know a lot of people on social media like to call us the banter league, so um, you know, obviously, I think that helps. But you know, uh, on top of that, probably the you know the lower league fees, um, not too crazy, and and obviously, you know, getting a lot of great benefits in return. So you know, I think that's that's a big help, and obviously, word of mouth with. Some of these clubs talking to um, you know other clubs in their area, uh, kind of kind of spreading the word. So yeah, I think overall that's that's what the uh, led to the big increase of teams.
0: Yeah, big increase in teams and density to teams. Uh, you also mentioned robustness, uh, Steve. Um, I want to get to kind of like the the diversity of the teams. Um, actually, let's go over there first. We'll, the talk about the 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 regional aspect of it with 18 teams, uh, in two divisions. So there will, one of the exciting points, there'll be a, uh, uh, Great Lakes champion crowned with a tournament game, but we'll get to that in a bit. One thing I noticed in the room was a wide variety of teams of experience, age, and, um, just concept. There was, you know, there's teams that date hundred years ago, like you said, uh, with Fort Wayne, I, or that might be an exaggeration, but I know it has a lengthy time period. Um, there were some teams in the Chicagoland area that date back generations, and then there's also teams um, that were at the meeting for the first time that it was their just their second year in existence with Troy United. So there was a a, a vast uh, array of diversity in both the clubs and the people representing them. Um, ben, was that, is that just uh, – uh, to speak to kind of just how the soccer is at the grassroots level?
2: Yeah, no, I think it's a great combination. Um, and actually, to your point, Fort Wayne Sport Club um, is, you know, there. I, I actually had to look this up. So they were founded in 1927. So they're now the oldest club in our league. Um, they just beat out Bavarian. So, um, yeah, they're, they're the oldest in the league now. And, uh, yeah, I mean, to your point, it was really great to see Um, you know, all the different varieties of the clubs, Um, you know, uh, obviously it's good to see some of the more experienced clubs who have been around for a long time, but, you know, also to your point, a a club like Troy United, um, Mm -hmm. who's just getting their start. So um, obviously a wide variety of kind of opinions and um, approaches to how they run their club. But I think it's definitely what part of what makes uh, the Midwest Premier League great.
0: I was a little bit scattershot in uh, the next question to ask because I'm genuinely uh, excited about uh, um, how many clubs are in our state. Uh, One of the the, kind of the things that you guys were looking for was, um, you know, reducing the travel. And some of the other states in the divisions had a little bit more travel. But um, did you say Lansing's um, longest trip was only about an hour and a half, Steve?
1: Yeah, this season, because of the way that the scheduling works out, we do one game against all of our division opponents and then four games against teams from the other division. And we're not traveling to Fort Wayne this year. But uh, yeah, Fort Wayne's going to have some travel coming up from Indiana. But basically, the extent of it is going coast to coast from east to west or west to east in Michigan. That's how far our big travel really is this summer.
0: So there's a a density uh, of teams and adding a kind of a, uh, a hyper local bent to uh, the summer soccer scene because um, in years past, some of the the national leagues, we one of the things that came out of the meeting is a kind of trying to define what it is that uh, a, a league has to be. Uh, words like regional, words like national or amateur or semi-professional, kind of like <laughs> the true meaning of of those words is, has to be parsed uh, quite a bit. But would you say you guys are uh, a regional league that uh, is kind of trying to look for more within that that word regional?
2: Uh, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, obviously, there's those monikers like the semi-pro and pre-professional and and all that stuff. Um, you know, I, I can kind of see where, you know, why clubs or leagues do that or take that approach. But yeah, I mean, I think our we really do like to kind of push the regional focus. So, you know, major part of that would be you know trying to keep travel as you know as, as small as possible, um, which you know I I think we've done a pretty good job of. And you know, obviously it should improve everywhere for, for our clubs as we continue to add more teams. But um, yeah, I think we're pretty content with, with the regional moniker and um, you know, having that focus be kind of um, you know, but a little bit uh, closer than some of these national leagues and whatnot. So.
0: Yeah. I was struck once again by the kind of the informality and uh, open discussion. Obviously uh, you guys, the directors had, your presentations of what you were bringing up and what you were proposing. But uh, the board was made up of representatives from the club. And then now there's a handful of independent uh, voices that uh, can be kind of objective as well. But every, uh, it was striking how open to comment and opinion uh, that room was. Um, And I know that was a big part of the, the origin story of the league in general. And um, with there being such a big footprint in Michigan, the game, the, the league was started, um, you know, in by states uh, by uh, who, the founders were from Iowa and uh, Chicago. Am I right?
1: Yeah, it was the Illinois, the Chicagoland area and the Bavarian United up in the Milwaukee area. Were kind of the initial clubs getting it off the ground with a couple clubs from Iowa as well.
0: So I'd like to hear from both of you guys on this. I'll start back with Steve. Uh, why do you think that this concept has done so well to attract teams in Michigan
3: specifically?
1: Well, when we started Lance in Common, we were a group of supporters that wanted to start a club. And we found a way to do that. And we were the ones who were in charge. We're not executives, but we're a co- collaboration So the same was the the way that the Midwest Premier League was founded. It was these clubs getting together instead of individuals, but finding a way to make a league run the, the way they wanted it to run while keeping costs low and sustainability a high priority for each club because that was why they were getting together in the first place. So that really attracted us from Lansing because we had the same mindset. So being able to put something like that together from scratch and have it reach the point that it's at for this summer coming up in 2023 is really remarkable. And it speaks to the desire for each one of the clubs that have joined to bring forward high level competition in the summertime and make sure that it's something that we can keep
0: doing every summer. What's your thought, Ben?
2: Yeah. From our standpoint, um, you know, we had come from the Midwest, sorry, the Michigan premier soccer league. So, you know, we were uh, very local within Metro Detroit um, and kind of kept our options you know, open with with all the different leagues, and you know, when the Midwest Premier League was announced, that definitely stuck out to us. And you know, we were fortunate uh, to be one of the you know original teams um, involved. And know with the pandemic hitting, um, the original launch here was kind of delayed. So um, you know, along with the Illinois and the Iowa and uh, Wisconsin teams, um, we we jumped in with with some of the Michigan teams. And um, yeah, I, I think it's it's definitely a better fit for us. Um, you know, as opposed to some of the national leagues that have the much higher costs for, you know, very little in return. Um, and, you know, I think it's a good way to, you know, as a small club for us, you know, be, remain sustainable and, and, and kind of be a little bit more flexible in what we're doing. Um, and obviously we're we're interested in playing teams around us and not having to travel, you know, a crazy amount of hours away just to play league games. So, you know, I think that's just the best way to kind of explain our um, – entrance into the league and kind of one of the reasons why we, we find it so appealing.
0: One of the, hopefully I'm not bearing the lead here with, uh, the highlight of the meeting was, um, your 10 year plan, but I wanted to maybe jump that for something really fun this year. Um, the fact that there's going to be a Michigan championship game, uh, Steve, uh, East versus West here in Michigan, Uh, who takes it?
1: Well, as the rosters are forming, it's still hard to say one way or the other, but we like to say that the high-level competition that's been coming through the league for the last two years is going to take another step up this summer, and that championship game should really be electric and something that the league will be able to promote and really try and sell and really attract more eyeballs to us. Um, It's a great marketing opportunity, and it's going to be a great game, I'm sure of it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think – As far as the East is concerned, you know, with Inter, um, you know, as the reigning champions in the Great Lakes or, you know, the old East Conference, um, you know, you'd have to think that they'd probably be the favorites. Um, There's a lot of unknowns, though, like Steve is saying. I think there's a couple of quality teams who have been around already. And, um, you know, like we know, there's a couple of new teams coming in. Um, Obviously, as uh, with Livoni City and Lansing being in the West – um, you know that's going to be uh, really interesting for us, and you know Tulip City is another team that finished up high in the in the rankings last season. So um, we're definitely excited for um, a very competitive um, division. Um, and yeah, I mean, kind of to Steve's point, it's it's going to be really exciting. And um, you know, obviously, as um, someone who's involved with Livonia, I hope we we can make it to the final, but uh, it's going to be definitely a tough road. So
0: one of the highlights from uh, kind of a a fly on the wall the role i i played on saturday uh was the the proposals you guys had for for future plans and uh how openly it was discussed and just the subject matters kind of uh drawing up you know from scratch what it is that the the members wanted to do and one of the proposals you guys had was you know uh i think pretty uh Encouraging that the league was looking this far down, but one of the board members presented a ten year plan. Uh, ben, could you kind of talk us through what the Midwest Premier League's uh, ten year plan proposal was all about?
2: Yeah, sure. i can I can definitely touch on that. I know um, you know, obviously Zach was someone who who put this proposal together., um, this is definitely a conversation that we've been having um, as teams. Um, within the Midwest Premier League and, and, you know, other re- regional leagues across the country about, you know, kind of some of the planning we want to have for the future and how we want the the league to look, you know, 10 years from now. And obviously uh, longer than that, but um, you know, Steve didn't, or sorry, uh, Zach did an excellent job of, you know, kind of putting that all in, in a proposal and um, you know, I would say there is definitely some excitement about, about the idea. And I think it's important to have those plans in place. And, you know, I think that was, from my experience, um, you know, being involved with other regional leagues, um, in the past and even national leagues, there wasn't really much of a 10 year plan in place by any of these leagues. So I think looking farther down the road is, is, definitely important. Um, you know, we've, we've discussed some, some ideas of having, um, you know, strengthen our structure as we continue to add teams. And, you know, obviously that includes, um, you know, that, that, favorite word of of soccer is pro rel so um you know that's definitely part of the plans for the future um and you know how we get there is is going to be difficult but um you know i think with enough people kind of committed to the idea and and on board i think it's something that we can really strive for and um you know hopefully uh get to here in the next 10 years
0: well that was uh Good to see, like I said, encouraging that uh, there's even foresight. And one of the silver linings, I thought, I, I heard reference a number of times that uh, the initial launch of the league uh, was pushed back because of uh, COVID. And um, the sands of time don't stand, stand still very often, especially in uh, the wild world of amateur soccer, where there's constant churn of teams coming and going, leagues coming and going, that there was uh, you know, a little bit of a pause to let kind of people catch up. And uh, maybe that kind of instilled a little bit of foresight to draw up um, something that that looked down the road a little bit. So that, that's encouraging that, that those sort of things are on the mind rather than just can I afford to get the next, uh, uh, you know, uh, registration fee so I can compete? Because, you know, at the amateur level, that, that seems to be the mindset, uh, unfortunately, uh, out of necessity for some. But another uh kind of uh making breaking uh barriers so to speak for the game and kind of the way it operates is uh the 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 discussion of a Midwest Premier League fall season um Steve wh- why did that kind of come up and what what do you think how how is that barrier broken cuz a lot of the time and as it is now the summer the may june july soccer seasons are dependent on rosters of college players but you know if you want to you know as clubs you'd probably want to be active on the field for longer than those three months so so there was a fall season proposed and how, how, how does amateur soccer get there
1: well i think amateur soccer has been there in the fall for a while but a lot of the midwest premier league member clubs haven't had the ability to to feel the team or have the resources to be able to perform in the fall. So we do have clubs that played last year in our spring summer season, that also played in fall seasons in a different league. And when you go to a different league and you see how things are done differently, you can compare and contrast how leagues are operating under different standards and how things are organized. And the clubs are in charge in the Midwest Premier League. They started asking questions. When could we be performing under the Midwest Premier League standards? and under that league b- banner for our fall seasons. So, when we had enough clubs that were interested to make it viable to have a fall season schedule, that's when we started having those conversations. So, we're 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 always looking for ideas from our member clubs because they're the ones in charge. So, the fact that that we have some of these more vested clubs that have been around for a while that have been performing in the fall for several years, we want to be able to offer them that opportunity to take the guidance and the, and the rules and the standards from the Midwest Premier League and apply them to a fall season. So once we have enough applicants from our different regions, especially around the Chicago area, we know there's a lot of teams that are interested around there to be able to provide that for them to have more of a, a you know, a six month season instead of a three month season.
0: And there was uh, also uh, another conversation regarding um, perhaps a women's division.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's something that's that's come up. So, you know, another part of our league and what we do aside from you know our, our preseason AGM is we also have a postseason AGM, and that's more you know that's over Zoom, so a little bit different of a landscape in, in how the the meeting is held. But um, we did put a um, you know a list of things together and and questions for people to you know, look into for the league and close to look into. And and one of that, one of those topics was the women's division. So, um, you know, we do have some uh, teams in our league that have women's teams and, you know, Livonia city is one of them. Um, You know, we have kind of the same thing where there's, there's multiple women's leagues. So, um, you know, you see some teams in UWS, you see some teams in uh, WPSL and, you know, USL uh, women as well. So, um, you know, obviously it's, it's great to have those leagues around and, um, those all operate as, as national leagues. So I think, you know, naturally there's, there's some discussion on what we can do at the regional level and maybe, um, some teams who might be interested in creating a women's team might not be ready for the regional or sorry, the national level, um, or might not even be interested in the national level at all. So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely something we're exploring, um, that, might take a little bit longer I think than the fall season, obviously, but um, we, we obviously do want to make sure it's sustainable and um, you know, a good fit for those teams that want to put their teams into a Midwest premier league women's division. So yeah, we'll continue those conversations throughout the spring and um, you know, hopefully we get some good traction and um, and yeah, we definitely want to create something that's that's sustainable.
0: Uh, there was a couple of guest speakers. Uh, USASA uh, leadership. Uh, Steve, what did you think of uh, what they brought, the the guest speakers from the USASA uh, brought to the meeting?
1: Yeah, we had the executive director and the current president of the United States Amateur Soccer Association come and speak. Um, They obviously have the entire nation to, you know, look at as a whole. Where, where we fit in is USASA Region 2, which is, you know, the Great Lakes area. You can look it up on a map. But the fact that they were, were willing to be in our meeting in person and the fact that they were speaking to the quality of our league and how much they believe that we are respected um, makes us feel that we are going in the right direction every time we start making the decisions. So there could be bumps in the road, sure, but it gives us encouragement that what we've been doing so far has been impressive to higher levels, which is always good when you're trying to grow the game in the United States.
2: Yeah, no, that's obviously important to, um, you know, make sure our voices are heard and um, you know, it's, it's like Steve is saying, it's great to be recognized and, you know, with the new um, executive director in place, um, you know, I know there's a lot of good conversations going on and, you know, both at the national and regional level and um, with our regional pre- premier league Alliance um, and all that. So, Um, Yeah, no, I think it's fantastic.
0: Well, gentlemen, I really appreciate uh, you uh, coming on the show and kind of sharing with the Michigan Soccer Central listeners a little bit of a good insight of uh, how exciting really uh, this is. This moment is to have uh, uh, a summer league with uh, such density of teams, diversity of teams, and uh, prospects for the future. So, Thank you for uh, coming on, uh, Steve Beckman from Lansing Common and uh, board member of Mid- Midwest Premier League and then Ben Rohde, uh, board member, director of marketing for Midwest Premier League. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast, gentlemen. Thanks again, Rob. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> back here on Michigan Soccer Central Podcast live on the scene, recorded live at least, in Chicago at the Midwest Premier League 2023 league meetings, and I'm here with Stephen guype VP of Troy United. Troy United going into their second season on the field and will be an expansion team in the Midwest Premier League. Thank you for spending some time with me, Stephen. Yeah,
3: happy to be here. Thanks for having me on.
0: So, uh, for folks that don't know, uh, tell us a little bit about Troy United. Like I said, first year, last year, and moving to a different league in the second year.
3: Yeah, so we uh, played in the MPSL last year in the local league. Uh, Just kind of a a kickoff for our first season. We're a totally volunteer-run club over in Troy, and uh, we thought that would be a good place to start and kind of making the transition here into a larger regional league here in year two. What
0: made you make the jump?
3: Yeah, we, we were looking at different options if we wanted to stay in the MPSL or uh, move into a higher league. And we, we saw the collaboration that the clubs in the MWPL have and kind of the uh, way that they want to help each other grow. And we saw that as uh, something that could be really important for us as we look to expand our club. Uh, people like uh, guys with, like, Livonia and uh, Lansing Common have been really open with us about how to grow our club from the ground up, and that's been really helpful. So uh, with those things in mind, those characteristics you (laughs) described about your
0: club like what are I guess some of your longer goals
3: yeah uh, the, the future is obviously unknown I, I think that we we've seen a ton of growth with the uh, MWPL in the last couple of years with just all the teams in Michigan it's just like skyrocketing all of a sudden that we have these two divisions and I think that we want to see where this league goes uh, I think that there's a a lot of potential for it and where we fit into that I don't know uh, but I think we're here for for the rise.
0: How does that make you guys feel going to the team or the, the league that now has probably like one of the biggest footprints in the state? Yeah
3: it's something that was a, one of our long-term kind of in the next five years we'd like to be in the Midwest Premier League and here we are in year two so uh, we're, we're definitely really excited and uh, we kind of sat down back uh, several months ago before we put in our bid and we decided, tried to see if we can make it work financially and if it was something that was viable for wh- where we were at as a club and we decided that we thought we were there, and so we decided to go ahead and make our bid, and we we're really excited to, to get accepted.
0: Very cool, very yeah. cool. Well, they, uh, it's the AGM, uh, the whole league's going to meet tomorrow, that's how everybody's here together this weekend. What are sort of things that you want to hear, and what are you curious to hear about at the, the league meeting?
3: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of uh, some of the, the pieces now with the three conferences, with the Gateway and the Heartland and the Great Lakes, how... If there's going to be any interaction with those, I mean, it would be it'd be cool to to play a team like you know from out in Kansas City, Santa Fe, all those teams. Uh, I don't know if that's ever going to be in the cards. That's something that I think would be really awesome, but I don't know if that's really ever gonna gonna be possible. Like
0: uh, a like a championship, something like that. Divisions. Yeah,
3: yeah. If something like that was possible, I think that would be really cool. Um,
0: well, last year, I mean. Uh, it was super competitive. I mean, I think it came down to the last game in yeah. the East and the West. Right. Um, so that would be pretty cool to then see yeah. those champions face off yeah, somehow. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Uh, I think I think it's really cool to see a couple of Midwest Premier League teams facing off in the U.S. Open Cup here in a couple of weeks. That's going to be really cool to see how that turns out. Um, and then uh, women's teams, seeing if they're going to bring on a women's league. That's something that we've been discussing in our uh backroom meetings to see if that's something that we could potentially do here in the near future and if the Midwest Premier League is going to do that then we would love to be a part of it if not I mean we would have to try to figure out where that would go uh, for our club but that is something that we've that we've looked at and that would be something that we're definitely looking to hear as well. Is Troy United just
0: one team like how many teams do you field in the club? Yeah
3: we're just fielding one at the moment just the men's team like I said, the women's team is something that we're looking at, expanding down with some U23s, something like that, uh, potentially down the line, uh, looking to potentially get into youth. Uh, but for now, yeah, just the one men's team.
0: A couple of teams in the league uh, have a few more years of experience yeah. under their belt. I think, what, what what can True United do in year two and first year in the league to counter some of that experience that these other clubs might have?
3: We went with a young hire as a coach, uh, actually a former player, to uh, lead our, our coaching staff for this year. And that was a uh, targeted decision to try to really uh, relate to some of these guys that we're trying to bring in from colleges and people who are looking to make that next step to the professional game. So I think that that's one thing that we have that uh, we can offer to players. We're, we're attempting to be very open with our players as well, uh, just trying to be somewhere that's you're not going to get one answer told to you and then get something completely different when you come to the team. We're trying to be really transparent when we're recruiting these guys and saying this is what it's going to be, this is what expect is expected of you. We think that that will be appreciated and we're hoping to build a reputation for something like that.
0: And with so many teams in like the Metro Detroit area, is that one of the things you're kind of having as your recruitment tool is like uh, open communications?
3: Yeah, definitely. It, it's obviously a very concentrated space and it's tough to, to stand out. And so that's something that we're trying to do to kind of make our name known.
0: For the folks that haven't seen it, what are the colors of your jerseys like? Do you have like, uh, are you continuing with the same look that you had last year? And if so, what yeah. was that?
3: Yes, yeah, we uh, we we will have the same look as last year. Uh, we are gold and black. We wear black at home, gold on the road, with a Trojan on our badge uh, to fit the Troy name. What does a successful
0: 2023 season look like for Troy United?
3: I think we want to be a competitive team in the East uh, division of the Great Lakes Conference. I I think if we can finish in the top half, that's something that we would see definitely as a success. Obviously, uh, we would hope for more. We'd like to push for uh, a higher finish than that, but certainly a top half finish would be something that we'd be very proud of.
0: What was your favorite highlight of uh, the 2022, your debut season?
3: Honestly, just that first kick of the ball. After all of the work behind the scenes going through, the setting up the 501c3 nonprofit and going through the coaching search and hiring our first coach and the first tryouts and signing the first players and sponsors and all that thing and, and to finally see the the ball actually roll in the season and all the hard work kind of behind us I think that was probably the most special moment.
0: what has been what was the biggest challenge you said was the, setting up like the, the legal stuff was the hardest challenge
3: not necessarily I think getting the right people uh, on the bus has been uh, probably the biggest thing for us. We're trying to build out, uh, because we're all volunteers, so we're trying to build out a staff of of people who are not getting paid anything, and it takes a special kind of person to want to do that and to do it very well. So we kind of take after that Jim Collins good to great methodology where we're just trying to get all of the right people on the bus. We'll kind of figure out the seats a little bit later. Figuring out our staff and, and making sure that we have all the right people in place has probably been the most challenging thing, but also the most rewarding thing when it actually hits and you, you have uh, members of your staff that like we do. We have some great members of our staff that do great work. So the most challenging thing has also been a really re- rewarding thing.
0: Talking about the seats on the bus, yeah. uh, you recently were named the vice president of the club. What does that entail?
3: I came in uh, originally as the sporting director. Uh, Louis Ozowski is our uh, president. Joey Verhelli is our uh, other vice president. And it it got to the point where I was kind of filling a role almost as like a co-vice president with Joey. Um, And as we kind of build out the structure of our our staff, it, it just kind of made sense that I wasn't necessarily working with the coaching staff and the players as much as you would expect a sporting director to do. I was handling a lot more big picture stuff and it just kind of made sense to transition into a vice presidency role and promote somebody else to sporting director uh owen swan who uh was a former spring arbor university player he actually played for lansing common briefly as well so he's going to be our new sporting director uh he has much more of a a grasp on michigan soccer uh, than i ever will i'm actually from indiana uh, so I, uh, I don't have as much. I played for Spring Arbor as well, um, but I, I did not grow up here. So I don't have as much of uh, the connections with some of the local coaches and stuff like he does. And so uh, we thought promoting him to sporting director was, was a good uh, move. What brought you to Troy then? Uh, so Lewis, uh, also a Spring Arbor guy, uh, was my, my, good, my good buddy from, from school. And he was the president. And he said, let's make it happen.
0: So, my next question was going to be, what was the spark that made you want to volunteer and start your own thing?
3: That one that one goes all, uh, and Joey Verhelli, our vice president, our other vice president, that's, that is his dream. He actually uh, was running Metro Rangers back when he was, like, 20 years old. He was running it all on his own, on a shoestring budget while he was in college, running an amateur club. Uh, he had given it up for a couple of years, finished school, and he's now a teacher at Troy, and so that's how he got into the Troy community, and started recruiting people. Lewis was one of the first uh, people that he brought in and Lewis kind of wrote me in as well. And we just love the game and uh, we, we played it for a long time and we're, we're past our playing days a little bit now. And it's like, how can we give back to the the soccer community, but also uh, the Troy community and uh, Joey has this great story. He always tells about one of his students who I think was from France and he he was always saying that he wished he could uh, walk down to the local club like he could in France. And Joey, that just like, that was like the switch where he was like, all right, let's, let's start this thing. And, and that was kind of the moment that it all began.
0: What does a successful 2023 look like?
3: Yeah, I, I think I did answer it as, as far as like a league position, I think a top half finish would be awesome. If we can push for more than that, that would be a wonderful, but uh, a top half finish will be great. I think, continuing to get the the staff in place. We have brought on, even in the last couple of weeks, uh, several new people that I think are going to be really great. Some people in our media department and public relations that I think are going to really help us. Um, uh, Those have not been announced yet, but those will be coming in the the coming days. So that will be just continuing to build out the the brand, looking to build more of a fan base um, just because we're brand new and, and, for the most part uh, it's been friends and family that have been supporting us looking to kind of get more ingrained in the Troy community serving. We, we are a community based club. We want to get out and work with uh, local businesses and charities and all those things, uh, looking to build more partnerships in the community for sure.
0: So uh, where can uh, listeners uh, find more about Troy United?
3: Yeah, we're uh, on all the socials, uh, Troy United on Twitter, Troy United on Instagram, TroyNighted.org is our website facebook as well you can find us there pretty much anywhere you could you could look
0: well Stephen, uh, thank you for spending time with michigan soccer central podcast telling us all about troy united yeah
3: absolutely it's been a pleasure
0: many thanks to my guests this week uh board members of the midwest premier league ben rhodi and steve beckman and then uh the newest member of Midwest Premier League amongst the expansion teams, uh, Steve Geip there from Troy United. Um, If you guys want to hear more stories of Michigan soccer, I recommend you check out the Spotify feed or you can check out Midwest uh, or uh, Michigan soccer central on any of the uh, popular audio platforms. And, I also do my best to get these episodes up on the Michigan Soccer Central YouTube channel, so you can uh, have a video to go along with it. We're nearing a hundred episodes, so uh, you know there's plenty to dig into. And uh, as always, check out at Mi Soccer Central across all the social media platforms to uh, keep informed. Whether you're a coach, administrator fan or otherwise check it out at my soccer central across the socials so thank you jenny hajinaki for editing the program as always and thank you to the uh michigan soccer central core team so until next week everybody please enjoy your soccer